Welcome, Wildcats, to Weber State Weekly, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, a man who's worked overtime on Saturday at 2 p.m., Colby Peterson. On the pod today, a man who spent Saturday afternoon at the Waste Transfer Station with his dad, Sean Lewis. 40 years old and still nothing better than going to the dump with my dad. <laughs> Next, a man who spent two hours crying into his pillow because there was no Weber State basketball on Saturday afternoon, AC. Yeah, it was two hours crying into the pillow, but even longer than that, cleaning up the mascara afterwards. It was a complete mess. <laughs> and finally, a man who was basking in the glory of a Washington football team win on Saturday, John King. There's nothing better than going to, into the weekend and your team's already won and you don't have to worry about anything. And you can just sit there and just watch everybody else in the NFC East, except for the Giants, lose. And it's just awesome so uh those don't come around that often <laughs> <laughs> on today's show we're going to be talking a little basketball uh, we're going to talk about uh the men's basketball game which was on wednesday last week against adam state we're going to be doing a recap of that and then we'll also be talking about women's hoops so we're talking about the two games that they've played so far against grand canyon and texas a&m international university and finally we're going to wrap up the show with a game we're going to call fill in the blank we're going to give the panel some statements and just get their uh, get their answers get their responses so i think that one's going to be fun but first if you haven't already please subscribe to the show we're on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher any place you get your podcasts please subscribe uh follow us on social media we're on facebook instagram and twitter twitter is the best place to interact with the weber state weekly team and finally if you uh, haven't already please tell your friends about weber state weekly we'd love to continue to grow the show and get some good Weber State content into the years of more Wildcats. And the best way to do that is for you to tell the friends that you have that are also Weber State fans about the show. So we're going to begin the show today talking a little bit about men's basketball. So like we said in the, in the intro, Weber State played against Adams State, Division II school out of Alamosa, Colorado on Wednesday night at the D-Event Center. No fans were allowed, but the Pluto TV feed was there, I guess, guys. Uh, what would you say about that Pluto TV feed? Nothing 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 good about pluto tv yeah no, no, nothing you can say without getting in trouble with the fcc <laughs> if i can't say nothing nice i'm gonna say nothing at all yeah it was uh it was tough right because it was very very choppy uh you know steve Clowkey was fine you could hear everything just fine but the feed was just really slow and choppy and so the, as players moved up and down the court they were just jumping 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 and it was just Ugh, it was just so awful. And eventually, didn't Pluto drop the feed altogether? Oh, I got kicked out. I'm watching on my Roku on my big TV, and I got kicked out of the game, just like right in the middle of the game. I was trying to figure out what happened, and I spent like five minutes just missing game time, trying to look on Pluto for what happened, but no. So did you end up going to watch Big Sky? Is that how you finished watching the game? Yeah, I jumped from my 65-inch TV to my little tiny laptop on WatchBigSky.com. It was terrible. I, I tried to get on on the Pluto. I, I've got the Roku, much like my boy AC does. And uh, I was I was starting a little bit late, coming in about halfway through the first half, was listening on the radio while I was running some errands for the misses and get back and uh, can't even find the feed on the Pluto TV. There was a great feed, live, a live feed of the Sacramento State screensaver saying your event is about to begin, but nothing for Weber State. Mm. Pluto is just... It's a great experiment. I know what the conference is trying to do with it. I love the idea of putting every home game on a platform that anybody can see. But the 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 user experience of this and the difference in quality from the schools is just 
awful. And the conference has got to get some continuity or some some consistency in the quality of the broadcast. Because you look, Weber puts on a, a pretty good broadcast. NAU yeah. does a great broadcast. The Montana schools do okay. But when you're watching Idaho State and they don't even have a score bug, or you're you're watching some of these other guys and, and they've got students doing the broadcast. No offense to students doing it, but they got students doing the broadcast that are such homers that they're they're chatting with people and there's no cutting the mic during the commercial break, quote unquote. And you're hearing all their comments about everybody and and every everything that's going on. It's just a just an awful experience. I wish they could have something where we could get Clowkey on every every feed. And there's been times where I've turned on the Pluto and turned on my Amazon Alexa and had her sync the uh, Clowkey's feed uh, to the video just because I like listening to Clowkey more, much better than some of these other clowns we have in the big sky. Mm. Clowkey is very good and he's got a great voice, but uh, yeah, that, that, that feed was a little bit t- troublesome, but enough of that. Let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about the game. So I wanted to ask the panel what stood out in Wednesday's contest against Adam state uh, first impressions, thoughts as you left the game, as the clocks struck zero, uh, who'd like to go first. I'll take it, Colby. Uh, two words for everybody. Uh, Isaiah Brown. Um, when we talked earlier in um, uh, when yes, we sir. talked earlier in the year, we were talking about who we would want to be a leader on this team. And I think a lot of people said Michael Kozak because you know he's been in the program for so long. Um, but at the end of the day, college basketball is a guards game, and you need good guard play if you're going to win at the highest level, and therefore having Isaiah Brown, who I mentioned by name when we were going through that conversation, um, have a big night, especially when the offense was struggling early. You need your experienced guards to carry you through those rough times. Look, we all know that there's been a huge roster flip this year. We all get that. And it's going to take time for the offense to gel. That's just how the game of basketball works. Um, Defense, I thought was very good, especially in the second. Uh, sorry, especially in the first half. Um, and when you factor in not having Dante Bassett, um, who is going to be, you know, pr- more than likely the starting center, like when he returns, um, not having that, you know, physical athletic presence presence on the floor, floor, and still holding Adam State to only twenty points in the first half, I think is pretty impressive. But all in all, I mean, when you walk away from this game, you just got to say Isaiah Brown, tip your cap to him, cap to him, and be like, "Listen, that's what you know. We hope to see the rest of the season because if you get good guard play, you can really beat anyone." Mm. Yeah, definitely the case. And like you said, we heard a lot about Isaiah Brown over the course of the conversations we've had with players on the squad today. And everybody sort of said, yeah, we think that Isaiah Brown, and he proved that, like you said, John, especially in those rough stretches where we couldn't get a bucket, the defense was still, you know, doing a pretty good job of keeping Adam State in check, but offensively, we weren't really pulling away and burying them the way that we should have been. And Isaiah Brown really carried the team through that. So I hope he got his back iced after that because man, what a performance AC or Sean, what, what were your thoughts? I'm going to go because I'm going to let my boy AC have have the last word on this one. I'm going to channel uh, my inner Denny Green for my for our boy producer Dan. They were what we thought they were, right? And and this is this is exactly what we're at. Every opening game against a lower division or lower tier school goes exactly like this uh, in the Randy Ray era. We get out. Uh, 
first half, it, it stays a little bit close, but you get out to a lead. Um, you, your, your stars are going to do, he's going to, he's going to rotate his players. We saw 11 different players get out. Um, I think every player that, that had minutes, every player got minutes, right? Um, so the, uh, uh, everybody was able to get out there. They messed with rotations. They messed with lineups, seeing who's out there. Um, but at the end of the day, we were playing a team that would probably struggle against uh, Ogden high. Right. So we, this is, this is what it is. It's a, it, it's a glorified scrimmage. We won by 28 or eight or yeah, 28 points. Uh, and we got what we wanted to see out of it. You got to see your guys in, in live game action. We got some points. There was a highlight dunk. Um, the big takeaway for me, um, Isaiah Brown is, is awesome. we he did, he had a great game. But the thing for me uh, was uh, Cody Carlson. Uh, he, he's the guy that I looked at um, as having a, a really good good start to uh, the season. 13 points coming in second behind Isaiah. Um, had some really good minutes, did some good things uh, in the paint. Um, he, he may be my favorite player. He just looks like a workhorse that's going to go out and, and do the grunt work. He's not going to be the star of this team, but but he seems like he's going to be that that – that worker that Randy Ray relies on, but th- this game is exactly what we thought it was going to be coming into it. It finished exactly the way I thought it was going to finish. Um, the downside of it is uh, poor Tavian Percy getting hurt. That that was the one thing we didn't want to see out of this game, and and that's what we got, and that that's the downside of this game. Definitely, AC. What about you? Uh, initial impressions of uh, Wednesday night's contest against Adam State. Yeah, so I got a few notes. One of them was Cody Carlson. So shout out to Cody. I thought he played a fantastic, efficient game. Loved it. But I'll go somewhere else and shut and talk about him. Uh, overall, as a team, I thought we struggled rebounding, right? I, especially yes. uh, some of the players that we thought should have been rebounding well. And so because of that, there were two players who I thought did very well rebounding, which I thought was good. And it was Zaire Porter and it was Dylan Jones. And I don't think anyone really expected either of them to rebound a whole lot, but Zaire had five rebounds and Dylan, a freshman, true freshman had six rebounds. And so when the team was struggling rebounding and you're getting a boost from two players who you might not have been expecting it from, to me, I consider that a big win. I thought that was huge. Um, I, I thought that them chipping in from a position outside of the post is just really going to give this team a boost. And with Randy Gray's most successful teams, rebounding is a huge thing. So it's a team effort. We need everybody involved. And this time, Zaire and Dylan, I thought that they did an excellent job picking up the slack. So that that was that was thing one. Thing two, we shot fantastic. We I think we were 41% from three, 10 of 23 or 24. We I mean, the only thing I was just yep. missing Steve Klauke to go full on NBA jam and say, he's on fire. I, I didn't get it. And I'm super <laughs> bummed. But we we shot the lights out and it was awesome. So last year we had Cody John, you had Jarek Harding, and they both score in bunches, right? But they're not necessarily the most efficient guys. They neither one of them shot very well from the outside, uh, from a percentage standpoint, anyway. And so this game, when we had the open shots, we were making them. And I thought that that was awesome and it's something we're going to need throughout the season. Yep. Like you said, uh, shot 10 of 24, 41.7% in that contest. Uh, the leading three-point sh- uh, shots made were by Isaiah Brown, made three himself. Uh, shot really great. But I would say that you know the, the surprising thing to me was the play of uh, Sieko Sisoho Jawara. 
man, what a great energy player. I mean, he, he struggled a little bit to hit some field goals, uh, didn't have great luck behind the three-point line, but he just kept grinding, man. And, you know, he was he was out there just trying to be a, a presence. And so I was surprised to see him work so hard after getting, you know, the nod for the start, which, you know, if I'm being honest, I was surprised that he got the start at all. So it was good to see him out there contributing, even though the ball wasn't necessarily falling his way. I think he gets more comfortable, and I think that changes. And so it was good to see him out there with a good motor, trying to do everything he can, even though things aren't going as he'd like them to. Two things we got to fix before conference season starts, and that's only two weeks away, right? We, we've got to fix turnovers. Uh, the turnover battle uh, was 17 to 19. So we, we've got to fix the turnovers. You know, we can't let a, a lower division team get us get 17 turnovers on us. But the rebounding, uh, we only out rebounded them by three, 38 35 um, against Adam State. And we've got to be able to get the boards and stop those second chance points. Um, Adam State had 12 second chance points. We were had 14. Um, it just it just felt like you know we need the rebounding should have been much more uh, spread out or, or there should have been a bigger spread in, in the rebounding uh, for the Wildcats against this type of team that's obviously smaller and less talented than a Division One school. Definitely, that was a concern that I had watching that game and listening to it on the radio was the fact that, you know, we were getting a little bit out muscled in the paint. Maybe it was about hustle. I don't know exactly, but it was a little bit disconcerting that a division two team was kind of pushing our guys around and we weren't getting the ball as much as I felt. And it sounds like you all felt as well that they should be. And so hopefully that cleans up because when you play a big physical team in the big sky conference, you're going to be, it's going to be an uphill battle. And so you're going to need to make sure that you're getting that position early. Otherwise your games will be lost in the paint, you know, when you're trying to clean up the boards. So I also wanted to ask you all how we've only seen the team play one time. Does it seem like they're gelling? Does it seem like things are clicking together? I don't know. What were your thoughts there? Cause it's been a big question mark. I think it's a little bit, I think it's a little bit too early to tell just to be honest. I mean, you know, I've, I've said from, you know, when we first started talking about the basketball team on the show that I don't expect defense to be a problem with this team. I think with all the athleticism and when you add, you know, a piece like Dante Bassett back to the equation, I think defensively, this team is going to be very, very strong offensively, you know, that's going to be something that the team kind of has to figure out as it goes, because it's much harder to gel as an offensive team than it is to gel as a defensive team, just because there's more things to deal with when you're on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think we're really going to be able to get a good look at that until we really get into those first couple conference conference games when we're playing more like for like, um, uh, opponents. I know we're playing Westminster this week. Um, but that's going to be another game where it's going to be kind of hard to judge on what we look like from a, as an offensive unit. And I don't, you know, I, I think it's, I think when we get to like game, assuming that we, that we make it this far with COVID, when you get to game like nine or 10, that's when you're really going to be able to say, okay, like this is, we've got something here. We know who our consistent, you know, who, who our consistent scores are, who's our number one option, who's our number two option. And, you know, just seeing how everybody kind of fits that way. But I do think, I mean, it's going to take some time against playing, you know, legitimate division one competition. Yeah, very, very, very true. This is something that we talked about with, with coach Ray uh, a couple weeks ago. And, and that was 
you, you, you start your team. Uh, it feels like they're always trying to fill each other out uh, at the beginning of the season. You're prepping, you're trying different things out, and it's all a goal to get to the conference season, which is to get you to the conference tournament. And, and he agreed with, with our assessment on that uh, when we talked to him a couple weeks ago. Um, this is where the Dixie State cancellation really hurts us, though, because you look at these three games, these, these games with uh, uh, Adams, Dixie, and Westminster, those are teams that we should be able to, to go out and, and pretty much win in the fashion that we have in hopes of when we get to real competition, when we're playing a Mountain West team, Utah State next week, um, that's going to be the tougher competition and, and more like what we're going to see in the big sky. And, and we're playing up against Utah State. You know, they're, they're in a bigger conference. They have better recruiting. Um, they were invited to the NCAA tournament last year, even though there wasn't one. We still can call them a tournament team. They were the Mountain West tournament champs. Um, they returned much of their, their team. That's going to be a tough win, even though it is in the Purple Palace. Um, but uh, it hurts that we lost a chance to go out and see uh, what our team is like, especially without Tavion Percy. Um, and having having multiple outings to to find those rotations and find that fit. I'm with John though. It's going to take us till the conference season before we see what this team is really about. Yeah, and like we, you know, maybe we haven't said it expressly here for the audience. Tavian Percy played in the game against Adam State, but unfortunately had to come out, and we got news that he would be injured, had a, a foot injury that would put him out for the rest of the season. So it will be a red shirt season for him. We won't see him again until. 2021-22 so you know thinking about him and hopefully uh can't look can't wait to see him back on the court in the purple palace uh, i wanted to uh, ac i wanted to give your your last thoughts on uh on gelling and kind of what you thought offensively in this game um i think that the team looked significantly different than last year and i'm talking schematically uh last year if our offense could be considered to a gun the trigger to that gun would have been a high pick and roll. Jarek Harding or Cody John come up, they call out the set. Kozak comes up and sets a pick like way above the key. And that would kind of be what triggered the offense. And then you hopefully get a mismatch. Jarek or Cody can make a play. This time there was a lot more movement off the ball. I noticed a lot more screens off the ball, a lot more reads uh, away from, from the ball and everything. And so I think that, I think that we were implementing some new things and we were doing it with new players. The timing was off on the offense. And I think that we're the benefactors of having Isaiah Brown, right. Who just went crazy in that game. And so I think that he kind of, his ability to score in that game masked a lot of our deficiencies. Um, I do think that we were trying some very different things though on offense. And I, I think that that's kind of part of what, caused a lot of our offensive struggles defensively frankly I thought we did very well and I think that a lot of that's just because of our team's athleticism I honestly I mean you guys are much much more versed in Weber State's basketball history than I am but from what I can see this is an extremely athletic team for pretty much any conference like every position we're just loaded up with athletes and I think that on defense we noticed that right Adam State wasn't getting a ton of open shots. The open shots they were getting, they weren't hitting. They shot a terrible percentage, both from the field and from three-point land. And so defensively, I think that the communication was there. I think that the team was gelling, and I think the chemistry was working out just fine. On offense, the timing was off. The passes were a little bit off. And Isaiah Brown just happened to go off. And Adam State, you know, 
they're the first victim this year. So um, offensively, I think the team needs more work. They need to work on their timing. And it really sucks that we were missing that Dixie State game because having an extra game against lower competition could have it could have really helped us coming up with uh, with Utah State coming up next weekend. Yeah, I will say that from what I saw watching the game, it did feel like a bright spot to all of the passing and the off ball movement was that the team is very willing to share the ball, which is you know uh, quite different from what we saw last year, where like you said, AC uh, Cody John or Jarek Harding brings the ball up the floor and come what may, but likely the ball is staying in one of their hands or maybe one pass and then a shot. It didn't seem that way with this new team they want to share the ball there's a lot of off ball movement you know passing out to the corner for an oh hopefully wide open three and there were quite a few of those so i think that those things will come you will see those passes get more crisp guys will understand where their spots need are or where they need to be and get to those spots and we'll start to see the offense click and like you said in the meantime we're lucky to have somebody like isaiah brown who i don't think isaiah brown while i don't not not taking it away from his performance, but I think that what we saw on Wednesday night is not the ceiling for Isaiah Brown. I think that he could give us so much more. He just oh, did course. what he had to. Yeah, he just did what he had to there. And so uh, excited to see what happens in the, in the coming week. Unfortunately, the DSU game was canceled, but December 8th, we will be seeing the Wildcats on Pluto TV again, hopefully against Westminster College and uh, Salt Lake. They'll be coming up to the Purple Palace to play against Weber State, and we will see how this saga continues with the Wildcats men team for the Wildcats men team. All right. So we want to take a switch over now and we want to talk a little bit about the women's squad and the two games that they played in the last week. Uh, talk a little bit about what we saw against Grand Canyon University and also Texas A&M International University. I wanted to start out our conversation by asking you all a similar question to how we started the, the men's basketball segment. Uh, what stood out in the Grand Canyon game to you? AC, why don't you start us off? Well, the first quarter was terrible, so let's just get that out of the way right now. Second, third, and fourth quarters, that was honestly some of the best basketball I've seen this team play in the last two seasons, or last I should say last season plus. Um, uh, the offense was flowing. Mm-hmm. Probably the best that I'd ever seen it, really. Last year, I saw a couple of the wins. I saw the win against Eastern Washington. The game against SEU in the Big Sky Conference tournament was close. But in the second, third, and fourth quarters against Grand Canyon, I thought that the offense flowed better than I've probably ever seen it flow. Um, Monka, Darren Hickok, she was phenomenal. She went off for 21 points, you know, which isn't even a career high for her, but she went off for 21 points and she was doing it from all over the floor. She was doing it from the free throw line, from mid range, from, from deep. She was getting to the hoop. She was showing off her versatility that we thought she had in her last year. And this year she's proving her development. And so that, to me in the Grand Canyon game was the biggest thing was that we saw Darren Hickok take another step in her development because going forward, I think that she's going to be our lady. I think that she's going to be the one who's going to take this team wherever we go. Right. I think it's all good. As, as Darren Hickok goes, the Weber state Wildcats are going to go. And I think it's going to be that way for the rest of this season and the rest of her career here. So that to me is what stood out was Darren Hickok played phenomenally. Yeah, like you said, that first quarter was rough, shot just 20% 
from the field, three for 15 and one for six behind the arc. So just a, a dismal 16% shooting from three. But after that, everything picks up, right? 56% in the second quarter, 42%, 44% in the fourth quarter. And so things picked up after that very rough start to the game where really that that's really it. You know, they were down 20 before you could blink an eye and they just never really recovered. It got got it back within 12, but just couldn't get over that hump. Couldn't get back out of double digits. So it was just very, very difficult. Uh, but I think, like you said, Darren Hickok definitely showed that she was capable of scoring. And I also want to kind of give a shout out to uh, Corey Penser, who really, she was active. Uh, she got in a little bit of foul trouble, but uh, she was very, very active. And she got to the line a lot, 10 for 11 from the free throw line. Uh, Good for her. She was out there doing it. Only shot one for three from the field, but her presence was being felt elsewhere. Uh, John or Sean, what did you think about that first Grand Canyon game? Well, the number one thing, you know, when you look at the box score that you have to you have to take a look at is um, it's hard to win a basketball game when you turn the ball over 27 times. Yeah. And, you know, that's just something that has to be has has to be cut down you know moving forward you've got to you know take care of the basketball and you and your guards have to do a good job of doing that because i mean you know we've talked about it a lot before and i just said it a couple minutes ago like in college basketball guards determine the game because they control the game they they get you into your sets they eat up the shot clock you know they choose the pace that you want to you, that you want to play at they always have the ball in their hand and so you need those guards to make smart decisions with the basketball um at all times because it's very hard you know when you turn the ball over that much um to stay in ball games now um like ac was saying you know it was a very very rough first quarter of the grand canyon game however once the team kind of settled down um you know they played very close with Grand Canyon for the next three quarters. And that'd be something that, you know, I think that if I was going into, you know, if I was going into the next game, I would look at and be like, okay, let's, you know, get through this first quarter, you know, let's kind of like, kind of like in football, how, you know, when you, when you, when you're scripting plays and you like script the first 10, 15 plays of the game, just to kind of see what, the what the what the game kind of looks like i think you can kind of do that to the same thing in basketball and just be like okay we're going to take this we're going to take this time we're really going to run through our sets here in the first couple minutes see what the defense is giving us and we're going to try to keep the pace a little bit slower than what we would maybe like to play at but we're just going to kind of feel everybody out and stay in the game for the first quarter and then make make adjustments based off of that that's something i think i'm i i could i could see the team kind of going into just to be like just to kind of settle into the games and keep things close um you know early on yeah definitely a good strategy i think like you said just get through that first quarter a lot of turnovers and a lot of those turnovers came from maybe miscues on the offense but also grand canyon was playing full press defense the wildcats had a very difficult time inbounding the ball and Grand Canton caused the Lopes caused a lot of turnovers on those inbounds. So I think that if you clean that up, you're, you're much closer in this game than you would have been otherwise, because there were lots and lots of those inbound turnovers that were just painful. It was just like, ugh, you didn't even get to advance the ball. Like Grand Canyon basically just walked back to their side of the court and said, yep, we're, we got the ball back and we're just going to do our thing. So that was very difficult. Like you said, to overcome a 27 turnover deficit, to really be back in the game, but I think the ladies fought admirably. Uh, Sean Lewis, what are your thoughts on the box score in the game? I, I, 
I, I didn't watch either game. I'm going to be flat out honest with with you on this one. I had I had some other things going on, uh, but just looking at the box score, and, and I'm looking at a combined box score over the two games. Uh, the the and the things that stand out to me are the the score by periods. Uh, Weber State's being outscored 46 to 20 in the first period. So when when you're starting out in the hole, it's really hard to come back and you know get that get get through, climb above that. Um, over the other three periods. It's four points, it's nine points, or pardon me, 11 points and two points. Um, so we're playing better as the game goes on, but we're, we're digging a big hole uh, to start the games, and that's a problem that seems to be consistent over both games. Um, the, the other thing that, that really stands out to me is college basketball. I think both men's and women is a three-point game right now. You've got to be able to shoot the three, and the Wildcats combined are 5-29 and 29 from three-point land. Now, again, I, I haven't watched a lot of the women's basketball team over the years, and I don't know if this is Coach V's offense where, where they try to go inside more than more than the three-point line, but uh, it just seems to me that 5 of 29 isn't getting the job done in college basketball uh, in 2020. So I think part of that, part of the reason that uh, the three-point shot is the way it is right now, throughout the offseason, the players worked a ton on improving their shooting. Last year, it wasn't a good shooting team, right? It just flat out was not a good shooting team throughout the entire season. And really, the coaching staff only felt comfortable with one, maybe two players shooting the ball. This season, the team... I mean, they worked a ton on it. They worked so much on shooting and they feel improved. And the coaching staff has given like nine or 10 of these ladies the green light to shoot. And so I think some of it is being a little bit hesitant to shoot because last year, guess what? They didn't have that same green light. And this year the coaches are like, hey, we're improved. Go ahead and shoot. But I think the rhythm might just be a little bit off this season. We'll see. We're only two games in. And the same comments for the women as the men. You're not, we can't make definitive uh, assumptions about what this team is uh, two games into it. We, we need to give them the season to play out, get into the conference season, play your non-conference schedule, and, and then assess. Um, definitely don't think uh, Coach V's seat is even warm at this point, but uh, we, we've got to see uh, what this team can do. And and I think there's a lot of talent here. And, and again, I, I'm going to pay more attention this year. Um, so I, I'm admitting my ignorance going into this. But those were the two stats that stood out to me, the first quarter deficits and the three-point shooting. Um, I think if we take care of of the three-point shooting, you probably take care of the first-point deficit. And if you take care of the first-point deficit, we're going to see some wins. Yeah. A couple of bright spots I felt in the Grand Canyon game, just to wrap up this conversation and move on. I felt that uh, Jade Matthews was really active. She did a lot for the team, uh, was you know, got in a little bit of foul trouble, but that just shows kind of what she was trying to do. And then also, I, th- I felt that uh, Aloma Solovey was just, when you watch her bring the ball up the court, I felt like she was really, really steady with the ball in her hands. Because, like I said, the Lopes were trying to push full court press. They were they were harassing folks in the backcourt. And every time Solovey brought the ball up the court and she would get past midcourt uh it was it was fine like you weren't worried that there was going to be a turnover in that situation so she felt very steady and i hope to see more of that as the season goes on because i felt like she was a steady hand in the backcourt that could help run the offense and keep the ball with the wildcats in uh in the allotted time clock that we had so now guys i want to switch over to the texas a&m international game uh let's talk a little bit about that um 
I missed the game because I was working and then I tried so hard to find the replay anywhere and I just could not. So I like Sean in the last game, I'm just going to be relying on the box score here. But uh, so AC, you, you watched the game uh, uh, on, well, you saw it. So how, how, what were your impressions? How did you feel the Texas A&M game went uh, juxtaposed with what we saw at GCU in Phoenix? Whew. Oh boy. Uh, so the Texas A&M international, the Dust Devils, they are not, they're not your typical Division II team. Let's just, keep, let's, we'll start right there. This is a very, very talented team. Their coach was the National Junior College Coach of the Year and then essentially ended up getting promoted to Division II to Texas A&M International. And he brought a lot of his ladies with him. And so it's a very experienced team with Division I talent who's been stashed away in junior college for a couple of years. So with that said, Weber State still disappointed me in the A&M International game. They disappointed me. They, the turnovers improved, and the turnovers have been the kryptonite of this team, the absolute kryptonite over the last season plus. There was a point last year where we were dead last in turnovers in the entire 350-plus school NCAA. Like, we were dead last. And so it was really bad. And every single team, every game last year, we saw that same press that we saw in the Grand Canyon game. A&M International, they pressed. It wasn't the same intensity that we saw from Grand Canyon or that we saw last year, but they did press. They still forced 17 turnovers. AM International is a, such a good shooting team. Our perimeter defense couldn't keep up. And that was kind of the story of the game. They had, they've got a lady, Nicole Hain, who's actually from Spanish Fork. Uh, it was bombs away all night. And she was making, I mean, she looked like Steph Curry out there. She was just draining threes from well beyond the line. Yep, five of eight behind the arc. Yeah. Yeah, she was just money. I think she had like 21 points or something. And they had a they have another lady, uh, Javorska from Poland, and she was one of their coach's players in, in junior college. And she she went off for like 14 points or something. Those two carried the team throughout the night. As for Weber State, I think that Weber State abandoned the game plan a little bit too early. It looked like we abandoned the game plan probably about midway through the third quarter. And that was when we just got the ball into Darren Hickok's hands. And guess what? We told her to go make something happen. And to her credit, she tried. Like, she tried so hard to make something happen. She was getting to the free throw line so much. But after the whistle, every single time, she's bending over, hands on her hips, like huffing and puffing. She was just gassed because she she kept getting fouled and she couldn't play her normal game. And so it it was a tough game for Weber State. Really, really tough game. And it was a really bad result for us. Yeah, I, th- I think a couple couple of other deficiencies that we haven't really mentioned here, uh, like like AC said, the turnovers did get cut down, went from 27 in the Grand Canyon game to just 17 in the Texas A&M International game. Uh, but rebounds were, I think, another issue in this game where Jaden Matthews had 18 rebounds herself. Everybody else, the next closest was Dominique Williams at six. Now, she played 32 minutes on the floor and only had six rebounds uh, and shot two for 10 from the field. Likely, and my guess is most of those shots came in the paint, and so uh, that's got that's got to pick up. Uh, she's surprisingly, uh, she's got a pretty decent handle for being a five, the way that we play. Her. Um, but yeah, that's got that's got to get a little bit better. If she's she's got to clean up the glass the way she did in the GCU game, where she had twelve rebounds and shot a little bit better field goal percentage. John King, what are your thoughts looking at this at the uh, box score? 
Yeah, so I was going to say, I mean, you know, number one bright spot probably the game was Jaden Matthews pulling down 18 rebounds. I mean, look, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. If you pull down 18 rebounds in a game, like that's an impressive, impressive, impressive performance, period. Um, the other thing, I mean, when you look at the box score, and this is just, you know, kind of how basketball has changed, you know, even over the last 10 years. I mean, when you look at the box score and you see 0 for 12 from the three point, uh, from beyond the arc, that's a tough thing to come back from because, I mean, we've seen, you know, the shift in basketball, you know, all at all levels, you know, it used to be more inside workout. Now it seems the game has transitioned to more of an outside work in game. And so, you know, you have to have those jump shooters, which then opens up your floor spacing to get those easy baskets, to get to the, um, uh, you know, to get layups, to get free throws, you know, to score those easy points that you, you, you need to score if you want to win basketball games. Um, so, but the other thing I, I take away from this is if you look at the, if you do look at the box score, the game's a lot closer than you, it's a lot closer than the 14 points that was the actual margin of victory for um, uh, Texas A&M international. Um, you know, when you look at like the last three quarters of the game and we've kind of talked about this in the first game, really Weber state was only, they only lost by like seven points. I mean, well, that's, not really all that much. And when you factor in that, you know, you didn't make a three pointer for the entire game. I mean, two, three pointers and, you know, it's a two, three pointers is an eight point game, you know, three, three pointers is a five point game and, and, and three for 12 from beyond the arc is something that's totally reasonable. So when you just have a bad shooting night, I mean, look, it, it happens. It's basketball. That's just the way the game goes. But um, it really makes things hard on the offensive end when you can't open up those lanes for people to drive and get to the basket because they're able to pack their de- pack their defense and and offer so much help and prevent those opportunities. Yeah, I think we saw that last season with the men's team where they knew that Weber State wasn't necessarily a great three-point shooting team. They knew that Weber State wanted to drive to the basket and I think a lot of teams just packed the paint on us because they knew that well, if it, well, we dare them to shoot, right? It's uh, I remember John King when we had Ricky Rubio here in a Utah Jazz uniform, you would always say self check that other teams would dare Ricky Rubio to shoot the three. And I felt like that was kind of the way that it was against the, the Wildcat men's team last season. And if, if the women's team is not able to establish that three, uh, especially earlier in the games, it makes the defense easier for the opposing team because they feel they don't have to go out and guard you at the perimeter, which means they can sit back and just hang out and wait for you to come into the paint. And it makes it very difficult to get those high percentage shots. For example, second quarter, not a single three was taken. So 0%, right? As opposed to shooting just five three-pointers in the first quarter. Now, the the thing is, this Weber State team, they had their moments in this game. They did. Ula Chamberlain, every single game, has one or two moments where, like, your jaw drops. In this game, she went behind the back and did a step back and hit the shot. I'm telling you, I'm watching it, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, she needs to do this more often. Corey Penser, she's been attacking the rack a lot more frequently, and she's been converting the opportunities that she didn't convert last year. Jaden Matthews had a rock-solid second half. She didn't do a ton in the first half, which was a problem. But in the second half, she scored almost all her points. She got most of her rebounds. So there are a lot of positives to take away from this. But still, the fact that this team just struggles to come by wins as bad as they do 
we really needed this win. We need to get our wins wherever we can take them. And I think that we were scheduling this game, anticipating it to be a win. Well, we'll look forward to seeing the women continue their hopefully upward climb as they continue to play some of the big games, I would call them. We've got a Boise State game coming up and also a game in the Purple Palace against Pacific. So we'll see if this trend continues and we see improvement as time goes on with this squad. We always knew that, you know, the, the best we could predict was hopefully middle of the pack in the big sky. And that's what the, when you're right up close, that's what this process looks like. So we'll continue to watch. Now we're going to move to our final segment of the show. We're going to talk about a little game we call fill in the blank. I'm going to give the panel a statement and they're going to fill in the blank for me. Uh, let's start out with the first, first statement I put together. This one is seeing the men's basketball team in action was John King. Go ahead and fill in the blank. Electric. It was so nice to have a Weber State sporting event um, back on TV. And, you know, if it was Weber, I know we don't have one of these teams, but if it was Weber State cricket, I would have been locked in. Um, so it was just so good, you know, in this 2020 worst year in the history of my life, um, just to have that bright spot on TV, you know, how, you know, even though the feed was rough you know just being able to see just a little bit of purple and white going up and down the court was really really nice definitely ac seeing the men's basketball team in action was perfect seeing our boys in purple in the purple palace it just it looks so crisp and then we see isaiah brown in his first game go for career high this is a four-year starter going for his career high like I'm just, I'm so stoked for this season. I can't wait to see where this team goes. And Isaiah Brent, we were talking about his ceiling. I think by transferring to Weber State, his ceiling got raised. Like, I think this guy's just going to go off this season. And seeing him do that in the first game at the Purple Palace, oh my goodness. It's just, it's going to be so great watching these guys this season. I just realized that Isaiah Brown has played his entire college career in purple and white. <laughs> Sean Lewis. Seeing the men's basketball team in action was? Don't take this the wrong way, but it was melancholy. Mm. And and this is why I, my happy place is in my season ticket seats at the Purple Palace and seeing the guys play at home and me not being able to be in arena was, was very sad for me. I once went more than 10 seasons without missing a home game. Uh, so... Uh, it's just sad for me that I wasn't able to be there, but like the other guys, so happy to see a, uh, a, a, a Weber state sporting event and to get a W. Uh, I, you know, many times after foot, men's basketball and football games, I'll tweet out great, great, great after a win. And it was so good to tweet out great, great, great uh, last week for the first time in months. So months. Uh, melancholy is probably the wrong word. Bittersweet maybe is a better word for it. Um, but uh uh, yeah, just just sad that I wasn't able to be there in person. You know, I, I only live a couple minutes away from campus and, you know, how I'm so close, but yet so far away was definitely a struggle for me and will be a struggle throughout the season. All right, folks, so we'll go to one more statement here and get your takes. The women's basketball team is John King. Go ahead and play the first fill in the blank here. They're a work in progress. I mean, we we, we knew going into the season that, you know, there was some work to be there was some work to be done and i don't think that you can judge this team much like the men's team i don't think that you can judge this team until we get into conference play i mean i know that people are going to look at um uh 
they're going to look at the loss to Texas A&M International and they're going to freak out because it's like, okay, well, they're a Division II team. We shouldn't be losing to Division II teams. Um, I don't look at it that way. Um, I think that, you know, you'll be able to make your judgments at the, you know, towards the middle of the conference slate just because, you know, we know that those teams are going to be, you know, the teams who you're competing for big sky conference championships and also they're around the same levels um the same skill level of of your team so can you go out in those games keep them close and then win and even win a couple to kind of start to turn the tide uh, turn the tide with that program so we can get get to be one of those top teams in the conference Mm. momentum i think is really important for those for the ladies uh AC, the women's basketball team is still developing, <laughs> still developing. So I was hoping to see a little bit more progress after two games. It is only two games. I understand this. We're missing Emmett Torbert. I understand this. But to go into Grand Canyon and see us have 27 turnovers in the first game with a true point guard, too, which is something this coaching staff was excited about because last year we had a couple of players who play primarily off the ball as our primary ball handlers. And this year we've got a Loma back and we, we still had a ton of turnovers. And then we followed that up by losing at home to a division two team. It's, it's disappointing. I don't think all hope is lost. We do have Emma, Emma Torbert coming back. Uh, I shouldn't say coming back. She's sitting because of NCAA transfer rules. Uh, so she'll be, she'll be playing against Pacific, which I believe is not our next game, but the one after that, Tuesday, I'm hoping that that's right. That's right. And so, uh, and that's a home game. It is. So when we get her back, I'm really hoping that it'll open things up for us. I think we, our front court is a little bit thin right now. We've got Jaden Matthews. We've got Dominique Williams. And behind those two, we really don't have a lot of players uh, that the coaching staff feels comfortable playing with. And so, Getting Emma Torbert back, who was a four-star player out of high school, she's kind of this super transfer that we're looking forward to. I think that she's going to be a little bit of a game changer for us. But after two games, the women's basketball team is disappointing, is how I would complete the sentence. And finally, last word, Sean Lewis. The women's basketball team is... I feel like I need a thesaurus for everybody being the same thing, but I'm going to say hopeful. Um, because we previewed them. We've talked to Coach V. Um, I don't think this is the team uh, that we expected. I think they've got lots of room to grow, and I'm not going to bury them after two games. So I'm hopeful that, that, that we're gonna, they're going to finish where we thought they would, and we said a successful season uh, would be about 500 um, in the middle of the road in the Big Sky Conference, and, and that's still all on the table or more. So, so I think this team is hopeful. Uh, it's incomplete, uh, but uh, I, I'm not going to bury them. They, they, they've got room to grow, and that's what that's what you play. You play the games for the entire season. We can't make rash judgments after two games. Well, with those words, uh, we'll move on to upcoming events and wrap up the show. Uh, Sunday, December sixth, women's basketball will be at Boise State. That'll be one p.m. You can watch that game on Pluto TV. Uh, next up on Tuesday, December eighth, men's basketball will be playing at the Purple Palace versus Westminster College. That game will be at 7 p.m. on Pluto TV and 103.1 The Wave. Saturday, December 12th, men's basketball will also be playing at the Purple Palace against Utah State. Want some revenge after the way we got treated in the Smith Spectrum last season? That game has not been announced. A start time has not been announced, but it will be on Pluto TV and 103.1 The Wave. And finally, Tuesday, December 15th, women's basketball versus Pacific. That game will be in the Purple Palace 4 p.m. on Pluto TV. 
and we should see the final entrance of Emma Torbert. So looking forward to that game. Circle that on your calendar, Wildcats, because could be a turning point for the women's basketball team. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show now. If you have any suggestions or comments you'd like to contact us, please feel free to email us at weaverstateweekly at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Twitter is the best place to interact, interact with the Weaver State Weekly team. And those are all at Weaver State Weekly. And finally, we do have a website and a blog. Go to weaverstateweekly.com and look at some of the content that we've been producing for the blog. Uh, we've put together a response to... The way that the Adam State game went, uh, some of the things that we learned, and hopefully we'll be putting together a similar piece for the women's basketball team and kind of what we've learned about them thus far. So feel free to go to WeaverStateWeekly.com to consume all of that great content. Uh, thank you, folks, for listening to the podcast. Like I said at the top of the show, please feel free to tell your friends and fellow Wildcat fans about the show so we can continue to grow it and get into the ears of more folks who care about Weber State sports. And with that, I'll say Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats.